What is up, guys and girls? How's it going? Hope you guys are doing good. Got to mute this thing real quick here. Hope you guys are doing good. We're waiting for everything to uh, sync up. And we will be getting going with tonight's discussion. So how are you guys doing? Y'all doing good? Give everybody a chance to come in here. I'm going to be trying to do more of these lifestyle podcasts. Uh, just for future reference, I think they're a lot more. I think they're a lot more fun, especially when you start. Uh, we can get, you know, a decent amount of people in here having a conversation. It's always a lot more fun. It's kind of actually a lot harder to uh, stop once you know if you guys are active. Do me a favor. Can you guys hear this background music? sound effects, things like that. I'm trying a few different things. Kind of thinking you guys can't hear it. Hmm. I'm freezing up. Damn it. Kind of wondering if this might be a Starlink issue. It might be. Because I'm doing this during prime time. But yeah, so is that a uh is that a no on the background music or is that a yes? Let's see here. Routing. Okay, can't hear background music. All right, let's see if we might be able to do a little, a little something, something on that. I kind of want to have it so you guys can hear that. Let's see. Yes, I understand. I don't know. I'll jack with it some other time. Oh, anyways, I hope you guys are doing good. Uh, so tonight for this for this podcast, which we're gonna like I said, we're gonna start doing more of them, and the more I, I'm trying to get kind of a system lined out here. So we can, instead of these being pre-recorded, I'd much rather have this uh, kind of a live interaction thing we can try to do about once a week, um, sometime between like, I'm hoping Sunday and Tuesday, uh, given my lack of schedule. But anyways, we're going to talk um, about several things here. Um we're going to talk about the Ohio derailment disaster. And I know a lot, I've already had some people tell me, hey, this is like being a dead horse. Here's the thing. We got to kick the shit out of this horse. 
plain and simple. And here's why. So often that these incidents happen, and anybody that's a railroader knows this, anybody that is a rail fan has has seen this. This isn't conspiracy theory. This is actual fact is that a derailment happens, whether it's, you know, massive, hazmat, no hazmat, small railroads, like you got to give them credit. They know how to restore service. And the thing is, is an incident that like what happened in East Palestine, that's a disaster period. The end it's nasty. And it's, it's gotta stay out there somehow so that those people out there get justice and that it's not just covered up. And by cover up, I mean, restore service and try to make it disappear from the media as much as possible. And that is what they do. If there's one thing railroads hate more than losing money and having service shut down because of a, you know, a service interruption is bad press. They hate it. Those are the two things they hate most. Number three, I would say they hate labor, but you know, that's, that's a given anyways. So yeah, I'm kind of beating the shit out of this dead horse because it needs to stay out there in the public's eyes and ears. I mean, it has to, if the, if anybody out here wants these people in East Palestine to have justice, we have to keep talking about it. That's all there is to it. We have to keep talking about it. So, you know, I I don't care if it's mainstream media or in independent journalism it's got to stay out there. And no, they hate losing money more than they hate labor, Seth. But, um, you know, we got to keep talking about it. And so, and and here's the thing. Yes, we're going to talk about everything kind of ties into that. But the last day or so, the blame game from politicians to agencies is, is insane. I don't know if you guys seen it or not. But you guys know that Joy Behar, Behar, Beehive, whatever the hell her name is, the batty bitch that suffers from Trump derangement uh, syndrome? Yeah, that chick. Dude, she straight up blamed the citizens of East Palestine because of who they voted for. The vast majority of them in in, uh, East Palestine in that area voted for Trump. Now, I don't care which side of the aisle you vote for pink, purple, blue, red, green, yellow. I, I don't, I don't care. I vote Republican, but at the end of the day, we're all Americans. That's the way I see it. Vote your conscience, whatever that may be. Vote it. I, I don't, I don't care. I'll sit down and have lunch with a Democrat, a liberal. I, I don't care. Come on over to my house. We'll talk about whatever you guys. I, I don't care. But these people do. And I I call it Trump derangement syndrome. And just, 
you know what? Watch this shit. It, uh, it's sickening. Y'all let me know if you can't hear the, uh, hear the audio here in a second. I do, do think, think this was, was an unforced error, error by President Biden. Biden. It, it was 20 days before this was on we had Secretary Buttigieg go down, 10 days before he put out a statement acknowledging it. Yeah. This is Trump country. He won by 40 points. It, it, he, won, he is a president for all Americans. I believe that, but he needs to show that he is. But it was time for him to Listen to the audience. He placed someone with deep parts of the chemical industry in charge of the EPA's chemical safety office. That's who you voted for in that district. Donald Trump. Watch this shit again. Oh, it's echoing. Okay, hang on. Let's try let's try this again. I'll turn down my mic. That's who you voted for in that district. Donald Trump, who reduces all safety. Was that better or did it still echo? Because that, even worse when I turn down the mic, huh, let's try this in. I do think this was an unforced error by President Biden. You guys it was anything 20 that way? days before we had Secretary Buttigieg go down, 10 days before he put out a statement acknowledging it. Yeah. This is Trump country. He won by 40 points. It, it, he won, he is a president for all Americans. I believe that, but he needs to show so that they, he is. Okay, I figured out what it was. I don't know why they would ever vote for him because for somebody who, who, by the way, he placed someone with deep ties to the chemical industry in charge of the EPA's chemical safety office. That's who you voted for in that district. Donald Trump, who reduces all safety. Like, what the hell? Did you guys hear the audience in that? And thanks for y'all's feedbacks. You know, some of this is uh, uh, trying to up the game, but every time I try to up up the game, a new issue arises. Got to figure it out. Got my trusty mixer here. We'll get her figured out. But yeah, that's the kind of shit that's going on right now. And then there was an article which um, I wasn't able to find a video of it. Hillary Clinton's blaming Trump. And I know these people are getting geared up for elections. And then Pete Buttigieg blames Trump, but then he also throws an an excuse to him 23 days to get there. Listen to this excuse. What I tried to do was balance two things. My desire to be involved and engaged and on the ground, which is uh, uh, how I am uh, generally wired to act, and my desire to follow the norm of transportation secretaries, allowing NTSB to really uh, lead the initial stages of the public-facing work. I'll do some thinking about uh, whether I got that balance right. No, you dick, you fucking dingbat. You didn't get it right. I mean, nobody cares about your desire to be involved or to follow the norm. What these people of East Palestine care about is they needed a response and he didn't know what to do. That That's my take on it. I mean, Alan Shaw showed up more than Buttigieg did. That's, that's sad. But then again, what, what can you expect 
when for the last three years we've been screaming at the top of our lungs, and I say we as rail labor have been screaming at the top of our lungs that something like this was going to happen. PSR is real. They've been doing this shit. The railroads are lying to everyone, including the government. And on top of that, they're buying politicians and lobbying politicians in record amounts of numbers. Org. You can find out exactly who is on the railroad's payroll through their PAC funds. And I want you guys to see this. Okay. This was sent to me by uh, a brother in another union. Uh, and this is up in Minnesota. This is a representative in Minnesota, not federal state. And uh, I, I'm showing this to you guys because here's why it's disturbing. I think this is going to be a similar basis for what's to come. And I'll just, I'll tell you what I think is going to come and we'll play this again later. But I want you guys to listen to this guy's reasoning why we should have one man cruise. Oh no, technology is the way of the future. We shouldn't shackle the state to old laws that take 20 years to change. And now we're talking about a state mandate that will take 20 years to unshackle ourselves from, although there's currently no reason why we haven't. This doesn't make us safer. This, in fact, in my opinion, I would say it maybe makes us less safe due to the fact that we've heard countless testimony of how the railmen are at their wits end. They're at the breaking point. They can't possibly work any longer. Well, if we utilize technology and we can safely run a one-man crew, well, that alleviates one person who can get some rest. We have labor shortages. Maybe technology's not there right now, but shackling ourselves today removes that ability 20 years from now. And it's the exact opposite of what the argument was in the last rail bill here. Okay. Here is what gets me about that. Is... At first, the, the first round of PSR. Yeah, exactly, Michael. Exactly. And here's the thing. Here, we, we got a lot to cover. But the fact of the matter is, everyone is to blame. Except their residents. And no, no, I'm not talking about train crews. No, I'm not talking about carmen. No, I'm not talking about unions. As a whole, I think the unions have been out here putting up a hell of a fight against this stuff, but they've been fighting a losing fight because we're playing by the law of RLA and the carriers are hiding behind Homeland Security and National Defense regulations to put pressure on the American public and the politicians. And then they're turning around and lobbying. Like they're not playing by the rules. They're using loopholes to circumvent the RLA. All right. And let, let's just start. CEOs need to be held accountable. Period. The end. And here's why. The CEOs are the top dog of the companies. 
they essentially report to the shareholders. Katie Farmer has to report to Warren Buffett. And I know, you know, as a whole, she still has to report to the shareholders, uh, Berkshire Hathaway. The CEOs are the driving factor behind the direction and how things are going to operate. And they operate under a guise of the buck stops here, my way or the highway. I get it. That's the way you run a business. Okay. When you're at the top of a big business such as this is not a democracy. You're there to make money. But at the same time, when shit goes wrong, the buck should stop there as well. And it's not. They hide behind lawyers. They hide behind shareholders. They hide behind, oh, the data shows we did everything we could. And they are never held accountable. They need to start being held accountable. Not just civilly, criminally as well. I'm, I'm not going to apologize for what I'm about to say. But the first person that dies from long-term effects of what happened in East Palestine, not only NS, but the CEO should be held liable, possibly criminally, for allowing this to happen. And why do I say they have allowed it to happen? Because of their PSR, Precision Schedule Railroading Implementation. Okay. They, look, we're not going to outrun technology. That's the way of the world. It's been that way ever since, you know, Adam and Eve, man discovered fire. That's, that's all there is to it. In all of human history, you can't outrun technology. However, you know, and I've heard people say, we're going to lose this fight. Well, here's the thing. If you're fighting against technology, yeah, you're going to lose. Here's the thing. Instead of focusing on how to replace the human element, learn how to integrate the human element with technology to make it safer. We're running on locomotives that are old to shit. And they keep stuffing them full of electronics in which those locomotives were not designed to be ran with or used with. And they keep retrofitting them. Might as well be bailing wire and duct tape. Okay. And they've committed so hard to this form of PSR and its implementation is that they, they pushed what should have been their end goal first. And by that, I mean... Before implementing PSR, you upgrade your infrastructure. You want to run longer trains and heavier trains? Upgrade the infrastructure to handle it. Upgrade your technology. Upgrade your fleet. Okay. Put in new safety standards and equipment from point A to point B. That wasn't done. They jumped to longer and heavier trains right off the bat. And... No infrastructure upgrading, not what it should have been, not for a three mile fucking long train and stop circumventing safety. They should have, before any of this ever started rolling out the door, 
there should have been so many different levels of new, stricter, and more in-depth safety measures put into place. Instead of less inspections, there should have been more. Instead of, you know, using mothball fleet, there should have been orders put in for new top-of-the-line modern locomotives. You know, where's the research that should have gone into, you know, let's say research and development into technology that keeps two people in there, but expands their scope of duties. Instead of the conductor looking at a useless PTC screen that I can't operate, why not, you know, a panel or a system that would allow me to pull up track charts, track maps, timetables, you know, being able to CAD directly with the dispatcher, all kinds of other things, conductor side alerter, all so many different things, but instead you're stuck with something that looks like it has worse quality than an eight bit Atari game. I'm sorry. You know, UP invested over a billion dollars with WabTech, the people that do trip optimizer and PTC. And they got a four bit Atari game. I'd want my fucking money back because that's bullshit. And it don't work half the time. I mean, it doesn't. And so, yeah, the, these railroads in their, you know, hell bent way, hell or high water on PSR is the main factor for this derailment period. The, the end here's who also thinks to blame. And this should come as no surprise to any of you guys. Okay. Politicians, both sides of the aisle. Now, a lot of you guys in here are railroaders. A lot of you guys, uh, some of you guys aren't, that's fine. But here's the thing you guys remember back in a big vote to have the contract forced on us. Remember that sick day vote, whole nine yards. Here's the thing. Oh, and don't even get me started on Warren Buffett, but yeah, that whole thing where next thing you know, you see pretty much all the Republicans voting down the sick days because remit something a lot of people didn't know the carriers lobbied the chamber of commerce, U S chamber of commerce. And they wrote letters to all the senators and everybody else saying that the class one railroads can literally not afford to pay for seven paid sick days a year they would not be able to financially support it. Seven paid sick days would on average cost all the railroads, I believe is a combined number of $351 million a year. Maybe that was just for NS. NS made 3 billion in profit over $12 billion in revenue, but they literally cannot afford to stay in business if they pay, you know, have paid sick days. Hmm. So you guys have wondered how I can track, because I've been asked this a lot. You guys have wondered how I can track 
and see who's bought and paid for by the railroad. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you here in a second, okay? I'm going to a website. I'm going to share this with you guys. Going to a website here. It's called Open Secrets. I love this website. It is a information. I better not say that. Okay. Information gold mine. Yeah. We're there. We go. We're going to do that. Information gold mine. Almost said something that was really bad and it was going to be really dirty. And you guys were not going to let me off the hook. Let's see here. Okay. I'm going to share this screen with you guys. Opensecrets.org. I highly encourage each and every one of you guys to go check out this website. All right. You can go and find just about anything you want on this website, considering donations, pack funds, things like that. What was the name? Senator Burr. I believe it was, that was him. Let's see. Politicians and lobbyists. Richard Burr. Right here. Okay. You just search for their name. Go over here to PAX. And you guys may remember, this is the guy that basically uh, tried to get the PB250 forced on us as is. Yeah, that guy's a real freaking piece of work. So you come on down here. Look at that. Sector, he has accepted zero PAC funds from labor. 5000 for transportation. All railroads. Gee, look who paid for him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Look who, you know, I mean, let's see here. Let's do BNSF. And you can even look up who has donated to where. Wow. So see, you can look up and see who has been paid what in candidates. So BNSF, huh, I wonder why Virgil here, Democrat, got paid 2020. You can go through here and look at all this stuff and find out. What exactly is going on? Damn. 2022, Scott Wilk got $8,100 from BNSF alone. Damn it, man. Hmm. Interesting. Go check that out. So when, and here's why I say that. I want you guys to use this website to look at things. Here's why. Because with all this going on, things, these companies and politicians are now in the spotlight. They now have pressure on them to do something. Period. The end. 
Michael was uh, was the imposed contract revised or was it the initial proposed one? It was not the PB two fifty. It was the tentative agreement that was shot down by four unions, is what was forced on us. So politicians on both sides of the aisle are guilty. And anytime something railroad comes up, these PAC contributions are legally have to be reported to the federal government. Open Secrets finds those reports and turns it in and puts it in a handy little website for you to see. These things, I mean, you, you can tell. It's not, and sometimes it's not just one railroad. It's multiple ones, and you you can tell who's on the who who's a lobbyist for the railroads, because then, you know, once you start looking at it, you can turn around and kind of see how these guys like to vote, and it's kind of disheartening. But it is what it is. More you know, there you go. So yeah, you know, you have the politicians. You know, being on the uh, being in line and on the payroll for the carriers, I, I guess that might be a status symbol for some of these people that they've made it to the big leagues. I don't fucking know, but like I said, you can easily see who has a calling card for the railroads. And the sad thing is, is the unions and labor have been shouting from the rooftops for the last three years and even longer that this PSR shit was going to lead to something like this. And it did, but nobody's actually offering an apology. And I don't give a shit what Alan, Alan Shaw says, you guys go check out my video on rails, tails and trails that I did today over a uh, segment that vice news did. Awesome. Awesome segment. Go check it out. Um, it's, they, they, the testing is being half-assed. I mean, they're going in there and clearing homes, telling it's safe for people to be there. And they're only testing the air. They're not actually doing any surface swabs, material, you know, testing, anything like that. They're not doing any of that. I mean, it's, and it's sad. These people shouldn't be having to fucking go through this. That mother in that video should not have had to go and find her child convulsing and projectile vomiting from an invisible enemy that should not have been there. And after these people test the homes, that here's the thing. You have one shot to earn people's trust after you lose it. And it's like these, these fucking ass clowns. Here's the thing. Just throwing money at it's not going to fix it. It's not. And we're going to go over what I think needs to be done and should be done from my point of view, my experience as a first responder and whatnot. But yeah, the union's been shouting from the rooftops. Changes need to happen or, or this something like this was going to happen. And here's the thing. If they don't change their ways, East Palestine's going to be a warm-up. Period. And, you know, that Joy Behar and anybody else that blames these residents because of who they voted for, they voted for their conscience and their beliefs. Anybody that blames these people for what happened to them, 
is a fucking worthless piece of shit. And here's the thing. I'm going to say what I'm going to say. I don't care. It's not because I'm a badass or anything like that. I don't care about getting canceled. I'm, I'm never going to get rich off doing any of this. So here's the thing. I don't care about being politically correct. I don't care about hurting somebody's feelings. I just don't give a fuck. And, you know, that's really kind of what needs to be heard right now. Period. Because, you know, everybody's worried about hurting people's feelings. What about these people out in East Palestine? Go ahead. Get your feelings hurt. I don't care. Those people have had their entire lives turned upside down. Politicians are worried about being politically correct and what they think the right balance is on what I should do. And, you know, nobody gives a fuck. Just show the fuck up. That's all those people wanted. They wanted somebody to show the fuck up. Pissed me off. You know, I mean, take, for example, Boo Jack didn't have to go there and fix anything. They just wanted somebody to show up, somebody to ask questions to, somebody to be there. Norfolk Southern bailed on their fucking meeting. After they set up a town hall and then turn around and try to turn it into a fucking round table, get the fuck out of here. Here's the thing. I think those citizens out there are still being gaslit. I think it's evident by those independent contractor crews that was showed on that Vice News segment. I mean, come on. They're wearing zero PPE. They're doing only air tests to see what's currently in the air. They're not testing air filters. They're not testing, you know, carpet, rugs, anything like that. Not doing any kind of swabs. They could easily put a mobile lab up there to specifically test for certain things. They could be hiring decontamination and cleaning crews to go in there and clean these homes, clean the carpets, wash down the walls. They could be doing so much more to help these people than what they're doing. Instead of sending in independent lab investigators that they're hired by them to go in there and test the air with an antiquated sniffer. I, I don't buy it. it. It feels like just lip service. I'm not buying the efforts. And I, I had a uh, viewer leave a comment. He's like, what do you think they should do? They're already spending all this money. Yes. Great. They're spending money, but here's the thing. I, I mean, NASA can spend $6 million on a fucking toilet seat to be on the space shuttle. Okay, the railroads railroads can spend $6 million on a fucking hammer. Doesn't mean they're doing what they should be doing. I mean, is that not true? So, yeah, I want to know, you know, these contractors that are going there, great, you're testing the air. Where's the test for residue, surface contaminants, all that stuff? Where's the release of liability, you know, for Norfolk Southern saying, we come in here and test it. We're putting our name on it that you're in black and white writing, that your house is safe. 
Railroads want to release liability. You know, stop putting the liability on. Reassure them. Take the responsibility. So, no, I don't feel like everything's being done that needs to be done. I don't think they're getting the information they should. I don't get think they're getting the, the te- you know, testing that they should be getting. And I don't think they're getting the paperwork and results they should be getting. Not at all. Not at all. And, you know, I was also, here's some disturbing things is that the uh, kids that have returned to school in East Palestine can't drink the water out of the water fountain because supposedly the municipal water is not safe to drink. Current count that I read is this morning at uh, 8 a.m. was over 45,000 animals dead. That includes fish, cows, whatever else. Just says forty over forty five thousand animals are dead. Um, initially, and in some cases, people that were living outside the one mile exclusion zone around East Palestine were being declined help and assistance because they were one mile outside that, even though they were still, you know, drastically affected. You know, they're still removing dirt and they're, they're locking private wellheads. Come on, guys. One plus one equals two. You know, I mean, a pile of brown plus flies equals shit. So if they're locking wellheads, over 45,000 animals are dead. They're still removing dirt. That doesn't sound like something's all clear and safe for people to be living. But also keep this in mind. Okay. Is that service was restored on that whole section of track. That whole section of track service was restored in a few days. As soon as the fire was out, restored in a few days. There is no way all that hazmat that soaked into the ground under the tracks around the right-of-ways was dug up and completely removed. We're talking about many feet deep that would have had to have gone, then do soil samples and drilling to get core samples to see if any of that contaminant had penetrated beyond where they had dug up the earth. And then they'd have to bring in fresh dirt. That was not done. Lance Fritz, or uh, not Lance Fritz, we'll get to him later, but uh, Alan Shaw was cornered on CNN, and he was one of the citizens on this town hall, asked him, was like, what are you going to do? There's no way you could have got those tracks cleaned and everything below it. He goes, oh, no, we're planning on uh, tearing up that track and uh, digging out all that dirt later, like six weeks later, into March. So you know it's shitty underneath the tracks. But you're just going to let it sit there for six weeks. That's the kind of shit... It's shit like that. I mean, Alan Shaw said that himself on CNN. I'm not making this up. 
So if that's the kind of shit they're doing and they're saying it's okay with because their priorities restoring service. Why should me or anybody else believe a goddamn thing they're fucking saying? Not for one damn minute. And I hope those people of East Palestine freaking just hold his balls to the fire. God, I hope they do. I hope they don't let up. At all. But hey, the system was restored. They're back to making money. And as long as that track's open, it doesn't matter how much it costs. They're going to make more than what they're going to spend on those folks out there. It's the way the railroad works. Acceptable risk. And hey, call the accountant. We'll budget for it. That's what's going on. So the can. The cleanup's still going to have to continue for months and months. Quite honestly, I think they should cut that truck out, be forced to cut that track out and dig all the way down and pull all that dirt out, bring in new stuff, do core samples, whole nine yards. And here's the thing. There is going to be a massive fallout and long-term effects from this. You don't have this kind of exposure and not pay a price. And I hate to say it, I am very worried for the first responders that were out there in East Palestine initially when all this happened. Because here's the thing. When the call goes out, you go. That's all there is to it. You sir you you are a servant of your community. You go. You show up on scene, there's a house on fire. You do your training and you go put foot to ass on that fire. You take the risk because that's what you are there to do. And, I, you know, citizens, and I hate to say, I think some older folks of that community um, are going to see maybe the side effects of this sooner than later. And, the, and that's scary, and I'm not saying I'm not wishing that on anyone. God, I'm, I'm not. But the logic and the way things have transpired leads me to believe, and I honestly feel that's, that's the way it's going to go. People are calling this chemical Chernobyl. One of the responders out there in Chernobyl had no idea what they were doing. Helicopter pilots flying over Chernobyl, over the reactor. Days later, they're dead. There's going to be long-term effects of this. There absolutely is. And, you know, like letting those tracks set there and not shut them down and rip all that out and dig it all out. It, each minute that goes by and it's just allowed to soak in further is uh, it's just exponentially making the problem worse. So... I'm going to give some predictions here. Now, I want to be clear before I jump into this. And I want y'all's input on this a lot. And before we get into it, do me a favor. If you haven't liked and subscribed down to Between the Rails, please do so. I'm trying to hit. I would like to see by the end of March for us to have hit a thousand something subscribers and to hit that 4,000 watch hour mark. 
opens up some new functions for us and helps get the message out there. Also go like between your uh, rails, tails and trails. If you haven't done so already, we also got the merch store over there. Helps us offset some of this cost. Anyway, shameless little plug there. Okay. I want y'all's input on this and then we'll go to just kind of hanging out after I, I wrap this up and we'll ask questions, maybe bring some people on here. So my prediction, and this is my gut feeling and after kind of what I've seen transpire on the news and read and things like that, um, I think we're going to see soon. And by soon, I, I don't have a day or a date or a month. I would say within the next month is my guess is that we're going to see some type of new rail regulation. I say this because it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on. PSR railroad derailments are, is on the news everywhere. Every, I have seen probably like five different small minor derailments where there's no hazmat release um, you know, track maintenance deal, mechanical failure, whatever. Nobody's even hurt. Maybe is one of them. I think was like five cars that just fell off the tracks. And uh, but now it's it's any derailment is on the news, and so that's putting political pressure. It's putting pressure on the politicians, and it's about damn time. And the pressure needs to be there for them to look at the railroads and be like, I don't give a shit about your money. We got to do something. So I think we're going to see some kind of uh, rail regulation coming out soon. Um, with that said, like old Representative Olson out of Minnesota, um, you're going to see who is really committed to their citizens and their safety when it comes time to vote. Because some of these are going to echo what Senator Olson, that little piece of shit, had to say, and they're going to they're going to make that claim. They're going to demonize labor. They're going to demonize and try to discredit media and the American citizens, saying that everything's okay, nothing to see here, everything's safe. Oh, and let's not forget the the great data argument. Our data shows things are safer than ever. And yeah, and go look at open secrets and who's, see who's bought and paid for by the railroads. I think I'm going to do a whole video on open secrets, really digging into the uh, function of that for you guys. So I think I just have a gut feeling that's going to happen. But like with the contract vote, in the sick day vote, you realize real quick where people's allegiance lie. Is it with their pocketbooks or to the American citizens and the people they represent? We'll find out. Scary thing is, is I think it could go to the railroad's favor if something did come out. So what needs to change? First and foremost, this focus and obsession with PSR and this obsession with AI automation to replace humans needs to go out the fucking window. I'm all for technology, but it needs to be technology integrated with the human element. 
humans keep the technology accountable and working right, technology keeps us accountable, keeps us integrated. Team effort needs to be done. Shift. Secondly, there needs to be a shift from shareholders and, and like I said, PSR, but the shareholders and the sh- refocus back to safety and labor. Here's the thing. If the people out here are actually doing the job, not the suit and ties, not the managers, the people actually out running the trains are telling you something's not safe and they are screaming it till they're blue in the face. Fucking listen to them. It's not rocket science. I think there needs to be a whole new level of transparency and very frequent safety reporting measures and guidelines and processes that has it, it like the detectors. There's not regulation saying where, where detector has to be and its guidelines and its temperatures. Everybody that's in the rail industry knows that the carriers have cranked up the detection temperatures on the detectors so they don't hit, they they don't alert passing trains as often. Come on now. Yeah, fuck Hunter Harrison. I hope that guy's turning in his grave right now. I also feel like there needs to be a new set of standards for safety equipment and processes, inspections, detectors, you know, things like that. Instead of allowing more FRA exceptions to rules for safety rules, there needs to be new, higher standards. If it takes a Carmen, let's say, I'm just going to say, let's say a carman can safely and accurately inspect a car in four minutes. Okay. Two guys, one on each side of the train. Let's just say these new set of standards increase that to six minute per side. So one guy on each side. Here's the thing. If that additional two minutes means we avoid another East Palestine, another 4,500 residents aren't forever going to be exposed and have their entire lives turned upside down, worth it. All day. Worth it. I think there needs to be reduced train links. When I was working up there in Chicago... You know, there were some managers, you know, train masters up there that I got to talk to. And, you know, up there at these intermodal yards, they're losing their shit because they're having to try to yard trains. They're 10, 12, 14, 15, 16,000 feet long. But these massive intermodal yards are only were only designed for trains no longer than like 8,000, 8,500 feet. Some of them even smaller around the 6,800 mark. And so it's just causing massive congestion. You got these giant trains parked outside of, you know, these yards 
where at one point they could come in. One train would take up one or two tracks at the intermodal yard, come in, pull up, come over, double over, cut it off, go. Now these giant trains are taking up four, five, six, seven tracks, and they take forever. They're too damn long. Like I said, they implemented PSR. They weren't prepared and ready for PSR. Uh, I think another thing is I think the CEOs and shareholders need to put on be put on notice. They should not be able to push agendas and policies that can decimate not just labor, but communities as a whole and not be held accountable. Okay. That needs to change. Justice needs to be had. These people need to be held accountable instead of being able to say, oh, I'm just going to step down and, you know, that's all there is to it. I gave it a good try. Good game, coach. Slap on the ass. Out the door we go. And I think some of these people should be held criminally liable. That's just my opinion, especially when there's fatalities involved. With that said, let's get to the uh, the real fun stuff instead of me rambling here. I'm not really rambling, but you know what I mean. So, we got over here, if you have or have not heard, Mr. Lance Fritz, in very short time, one, one massive hedge fund investment firm with Union Pacific called... Uh, Sorbonne, I guess is what it is. Sorbonne Capital Partners. They had originally released a statement that they had lost faith in Lance Fritz, CEO of Union Pacific. Well, that jackhole shortly later puts out a notice that he's stepping down as CEO. I think it's about time for the uh, uh, new leader of Union Pacific to show up. Know who also pulled that same move? Jim Foote, former CEO of CSX. He got shit canned by the shareholders. Here's the thing. I'll give a shout out to CSX. They Those shareholders went out and tried to find a new CEO with one goal in mind. Mend the fences with labor. So they went out and got the former CEO of Ford, who I guess, from my understanding of what I've read, had a fantastic relationship with the labor out there at Ford. And uh, hasn't ever turned a break in his life. They brought him on, and the guy said he is up for the challenge. And from what I can tell, the guy's out there trying to uh, keep his word on it. Time will tell. But... He sent he sent one over the fence with uh, him agreeing to four paid sick days. I know that didn't make Lance Fritz and you know Katie Farmer and the rest of the CEOs of the class ones very happy. I don't think he got an invite to the CEO you know Mickey Mouse Club, but yeah. But here's the thing. 
you say bye bye Fritz, Michael. This guy, this uh, guy Verna, they're wanting to bring in. He is a PSR fanboy. Uh, under his leadership, I believe it was a Union Pacific got labeled as uh, one of the top or the top worst companies to work for in the United States. And I bet he is just chopping up the bit at the bit to come in here and double down on PSR with Union Pacific. You know, and if the shareholders at Union Pacific are smart, they have an opportunity to change things for the better. If they go out there, and I'm with you, Michael, remaining cautiously optimistic. I agree. Boy Chuck should have been sent down the line one foot was shot out the door. I agree with that 100%, Patrick. But here's the thing. They bring, UP brings in Verna. I think you're going to see an almost instant exodus out of Union Pacific. I would almost bet money because I've had numerous UP guys reach out to me and they basically all say the same thing. Oh, fuck. If Verna comes back. And I've, I've been saying for a while, the only time anything has a chance to change from, for the better is to get rid of these current CEOs that are just dead set on this PSR shit that don't actually have a fucking clue. You know what? Here's the thing. I don't have a problem with shareholders making a shit ton of money because if the company I work for is making a shit ton of money to make them rich, that means I'm working my ass off if it's done rightly. And I'm making money too. Problem is, is shareholders are making a lot of money because they're taking money away from us and everybody else in the crafts doing dumb shit like longer trains. And now, you know, at the expense of safety. And here's the thing. I need to try to find this article because it, the, this guy was an economist and a stock trader, broker, whatever you want to call those guys. And he did this fantastic article on how PSR actually works and with the hedge fund investors and things like that and how they come in and invest and do all this and squeeze in PSR here to wring out as much money as possible. But eventually PSR will stop making money and it will actually start costing them money. And at that time, they pull out with their money in hand, leaving the the uh, rail companies basically to pick up the pieces. Maybe file bankruptcy. Yeah, cop. I read this article. Um, it was maybe over a little over a year ago, and it was really directed at CSX. How CSX was really, really struggling. Um because these hedge fund investors had come in there and just sliced and diced everything. And you saw it happen in UP. Um, and they were just raking in all this money and all these buybacks. And then kabam. These guys start pulling out. When these hedge fund investors, these mega hedge fund investors start pulling out, PSR, that should be a sign of things to come. 
because then the companies are going to be left to pick up the mess. Eventually, they're going to cut so many people, something's going to change. And then here's the thing. There's not a labor shortage of people that would like to work for the railroad. The people are out there. Problem is, is these companies like to say, oh, we have a labor shortage. It's a competitive job market. You know, all this other horse shit, right? And it is. It is a competitive job market. Nobody's denying that. You know, especially with like work from home jobs. I mean, $25 an hour to sit at home and work from home for eight hours a day. Pretty, pretty sweet little gig. But here's the thing. If the environment of working at the railroad is what it used to be of like the 90s and even before that, where being to get onto the railroad was this mythical, excuse me, it was this mythical beast. I'd heard stories about for pretty much all my life that my adult life, excuse me, my adult life was that if you wanted to be a railroader to get on, you had to know someone you had to have a reference and somebody had to quit, die or retire. That was the only way you were getting on. And you still had to have that reference. And even before that, you almost had to just be family to get on with the railroad. And the fact of the matter is, is the railroads, none of them are that way anymore. None. And that's the thing you can make. We could have got a 50% raise and still people would not want to stay at the railroad or even apply to the railroad because they know what the work environment is like. You, these companies are going to have to change the environment. You have to make this a job in which people want to retire from again. You have to make this a job that somebody says, this is a career change, not I'm just getting another job. Right now, this is just a job. Change it from job to career, you're going to have people flooding your, your inbox with applications. UP's offering over you know $50,000 in some locations to apply as a hiring bonus. And they still can't get people to sign up. And the ones that do, most of them aren't sticking around through class. And that's the thing. They want to blame labor. They want to blame the labor market, but they never want to take a look at themselves and say, maybe how we're doing things and treating our current employees is really the fucking problem. And we need to change things. I think the shareholders at CSX realize that. And the first one to figure this shit out is going to have so many people knocking on their door. They're, they're going to go labor shortage. What? But that would require them to pull their head out of their ass. I honestly think what the shareholders did at CSX was a fucking brilliant move. We'll see, you know, like you guys said earlier, time will tell. But, you know, it's it's got to change and it's got to start at the top. It's got to start with real leadership, 
people that aren't afraid to go out there and talk to their employees and hear, hear the harsh criticism face to face. I haven't seen any of the executives show up without some type of security when I've seen them. At least I got to meet Carl Ice in person. I was, dude, I, I was, this, this was back in, uh, early, early to 2019, you know, we had an incident go down up in Lincoln, Nebraska with some lodging and stuff. And, uh, it was a pretty screwball deal. And, uh, Carl Ice was actually in Amarillo for a town hall. And I went, got to see him in person and everything that after that, I could actually, I got to walk up to the guy and talk to him, shake his hand and let him know what was going on. I hadn't even made it out to my truck in the fucking parking lot. And I got a call from a big wig down in Dallas saying, Hey, you know, Mr. Ice called me, told me what was going on. I'm calling you on his behalf to get this sorted out. And I got like four more fucking phone calls to get that issue sorted out. Here's the thing. No CEO ever going to be perfect, but you can still be a leader of your employees. I'm not seeing that from any of them. And the only one I'm seeing out there that looks remotely good is Joe Hendricks. At least that guy's doing something, you know, but like I said, not a whole lot's known about him in the rail industry because it's his first time in the rail industry. So we'll see what's going to happen. I personally would love to sit down with Mr. Hendricks and talk to him and pick his brain. Um, even get the union involved on something like that. I think that would be cool because if this guy doesn't care what the other class ones are doing and he's out there truly and his focus is on mending fences with labor. Uh, yeah. Uh, at that point I would, if that's legit and that's really what he's doing is not just lip service that right there, CSX is going to have so many damn applications. It's not even funny for years to come. So, you know, it is just a ball of ball of shit right now, but am I quitting? No, I like railroading. And that's, that's why I do a lot of what I do is because hopefully I can do my little part to help change it or to help my fellow brothers and sisters out there. You know, I'm just kind of winging it. But anyways, yeah, you guys go ahead, throw some questions out here, man. Um, and I'm going to go back and start reading these comments. When, when I'm doing these podcasts, I really don't read the comments too much. Because I end up getting distracted. And I get distracted like a big dog. Easily. Let's see here. Cop. Leaders and managers are two totally different types of people. We need more leaders and less managers. And, and that's the thing, cop. I firmly believe if you're a good leader, you're going to be a good manager. Lead, leaders have to manage by proxy of just being a leader. A leader is how a manager goes about doing things. Absolutely. Nail on the head, buddy. Nail on the head. Um, Sean said, you know, what about sign bonuses? What about employees already here? You know, I, I think there needs to be something done to show that, to show that appreciation. Um, 
I mean, you could go so many different ways with that, you know, but I think something needs to be done and I don't think it should be a one-time deal. You know, you know, don't forget that during COVID, most of these carriers got massive funding for COVID and labor saw none of it. It's almost like they pocketed it. I still would love to see some uh, feedback on that. Kansas trains, Keith Krill, when he was at uh, the CN in Chicago, is a man you could talk to one-on-one. -on -one. See, that's, again, leaders versus managers. You know, this, yeah. I agree. I, I think the worst thing for uh, uh, Union Pacific will be Jim uh, Verna, Vina, Vagina, whatever his name is. I really hope that doesn't happen because that Sorbon capital investors, whatever those guys are, you can obviously see they're, they're not wanting change for, you know, the industry. They're wanting change in their pocketbooks. That's concerning. Oh yeah, cop. I forgot about that. We get thousand dollar yearly recognition bonuses. That's taxed at like forty fucking percent. Let's see here. Kansas Trains MPK. I've been there as a train master, road foreman of engines, and the stress was so high. You know, I I talked to a couple of road foremen. Um and train masters. And I wouldn't say I'm friends with them. Um, because I have, a, I have a very high belief that, you know, as, as a manager, when I've been a GM, not, not in rail industry, hospitality industry, as a GM manager, um, there's appropriate conduct between management and, and employees. And I've talked about it before because, you know, if I got to fire someone, you know, the last thing I need weighing on my heart and my mind when I have to make this decision, you know, hey, so-and-so was stealing from us. I got to fire him. Oh, man, that really sucked. You know, we had a great time drinking last night, whatever. Um, you know, but I have a, I feel like I have a pretty good working relationship with these individuals. You know, I, I get to talk to them. I hear, I hear some of the stuff those guys have to go through and what comes down from you know, the great ivory tower. And it, it just blows my mind. I mean, a lot of these guys are getting shafted in the ass, just like a lot of us are, you know, those, uh, a lot of those guys, you know, are getting smacked down by the big golden weenie just as much as we are. And nobody's safe. Uh, unless I guess you're in the good old boy or girls club, the suit and tie club. I don't know. That's, uh, it's one of those things that's a bit, bit disturbing. It really is. So anyways, guys, I appreciate each and every one of you. We're going to call it a wraps uh, for tonight. And I'm going to try to do one of these live podcasts between Sunday and Tuesday every week. So keep an eye on for it. Usually it's uh, one of those things that I just kind of got to wing it by my schedule and uh 
make sure you like subscribe down below go check out our merch store over on uh, rails tales and trails and like and subscribe over there the biggest thing honestly the biggest thing any and all of you, you guys can do is share the shit out of all these videos sharing these commenting on them hitting the notification bell so you guys know when uh, we put something out that does more than any amount of money no no shit don't don't get me wrong i appreciate every penny you guys have thrown at us um it helps you know like with the camera you know we actually got this camera uh it's a sony zve 10 um they're entry level kind of 4k sony cameras oh shit the hats i forgot mv i am sorry i will get on that bro but you know it's, it's things like that that help us do try to bring you guys want a better quality and audio it's because y'all support that we were able to do stuff like that and i'm really looking forward to uh, uh bringing you guys better stuff higher quality stuff um pictures videos you know um hopefully I'll give you guys a little insight, uh, especially for your uh, URL fans out there. Here in Amarillo, we have the Amarillo Train Museum and uh, Mall Train Club out by the, air, the old airbase, right? Um, Slick Willie, I don't know if they're turning off defect detectors. I don't know. Um, hopefully, maybe one of the uh, uh, track guys... Uh, maybe signal guys will reach out to me and give me information on that. As far as I know, when I'm on the rails, I don't know if a detector's turned off or if it's broke. Um, they, unless it's in our GTBs and notices, um, I don't, we, we don't know. Sometimes there's a, a, uh, a, uh, form C that tells us, Hey, defect detector at such and such mile post is out of service in a date. But other than that, you know, we have no idea if they're just turning them off or if they're going silent and sending something to the detector desk. Don't know, man. That's one of the things I think needs to be regulated and uh, reported. But anyways, I'm going to do a segment on the nuclear trains, the white trains. They got, out there at that museum, those guys got the actual engines and the switch engines that was used out there at the Pantex plant and uh, the actual nuclear warhead transport cars out there. So we're going to be, uh, uh, we're going to be going out there and uh, getting some, some of that content for you guys. You guys seem to be enjoying a lot of that. So anyways, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for tuning in and uh, helping us out and supporting us. Like, share, subscribe, share all these videos as much as you can, man. That that goes does more than anything. Appreciate you guys. Stay safe. We'll see you on the next one. Oh, join the Discord. Later.